Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here today. Today, we are going to address a topic that is probably the most often requested topic when people come to schedule an appointment with me, and that is, how do I know God's will for my life? So inside your bulletin today, you'll find an outline, uh, which I'm going to be discussing this topic. It's entitled, How to Know God's Will. And there are a number of scriptures listed along with a number of fill-in-the-blank items, and so I'm going to have a word of prayer for us. We're going to jump right in. Our ushers will be coming up and down the aisle. They'll have some pens if you need to fill in the blanks. If you'd like to fill in the blanks or take some notes, just raise your hand and they'll be glad to bring one to you. Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, today we're going to talk about knowing your will. And Father, I want us all to know your will. I thank you that you are always more ready to listen than we are to pray. And you want what's best for us more than we do. And so, God, I pray that today you'll speak. You'll move me out of the way and remind us of some principles from your word, Lord on how to know your will. Help us listen and obey. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, uh, if you need a pen, by the way, to write with, our ushers are coming up down the aisles, and they'll be glad to pass a pen to you so you can take some notes and fill in the blanks as we go along. Point one on your outline says this. This is a deep conviction of mine and a clear teaching of Scripture that God is speaking to us all the time. He is. There'll be people who would doubt this and uh, we'll talk about this a little later, uh, that say, well, no, God is not. But I would tell you, oh, yes, he is. Uh, the problem is, we'll cover a little bit, many times we're just not listening. And I want to talk with you uh, today about four ways that God speaks to all of us all the time. We can have access to God, by the way, 24-7. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never gets tired. He never gets tired of our coming. I mean, if you try to reach me at certain hours of the day, I mean, after 10 p.m., I'm usually in the second stage of anesthesia, okay? It's not, you're not going to get good counsel from me. I'll say, hey, we got to wait till the morning. I'm too tired, unless it's just a real emergency. But God, you can come to him at 2 in the morning. You wake up worried or afraid, you can drop to your knees right beside your bed, and he is attuned to every thought in your heart, more attuned than you and I are. And I want to remind us of that. Our Heavenly Father loves us. He cares for us so very much, and he wants us to know his will for our lives. So there are four ways that he speaks to us commonly all the time. First of all, he speaks to us through the Bible. He does. What's so great is we live in a time when we have access to the Bible on our phones, and we have hard copies of it. We have access all the time, and God wants us to listen to his word, to read his word, to know his word. Your commandments give me understanding, Psalm 119 here. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. It's why Christians have said through the centuries, we need to read our Bibles a little bit every day. Because as we read the Bible a little bit every day, it illuminates a little bit more of God's plan for us. I mean, it's amazing as you use a devotional guide or as you read through Scripture, how God will be speaking to you. And it happens all the time. Somebody will send me an email and go, you're not going to believe this, but I was reading in my Bible reading today and it was exactly what I needed to hear. Has that happened to anybody else besides me? I mean, raise your hand. Seriously, has that happened to you? Look at all the hands going up. God will speak to you. He's not hiding. And if you and I take advantage of his word, it's a lamp to us. Now remember, a lamp to your feet, like a lamp you'd carry on a trail, it doesn't say it's a Q-beam to my path, okay? It's going to show me 400 yards ahead, but it's a lamp, and he'll give us enough leadership. People often ask, well, how come God doesn't tell me something's going to happen 10 years from now and 15 years from now so I can be ready? My goodness, if he told us some of the things 15 years ago that we're experiencing today, we'd have had a heart attack. We said, I can't handle it. And you wouldn't have been able to handle it then, but you're mature enough now. God knows that. And if we spend time in his word a little bit every day, he'll show us what the next step is to take. 
but we need to come to his word and listen. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture, Paul wrote this, is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us. And when we are wrong, when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what's right. Now God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This is the most amazing book in the world. The Holy Spirit energizes the words on these pages. And as you read them, it's life-changing. And so God speaks to all of us through his word. We can pick it up anytime. And if we're just willing to listen, he'll speak to us through his word amazingly. Now, sometimes people come to me, so, so if I got a big decision to make, you're telling me if I read the Bible, it'll say, it'll say, John, thou shalt take a job at Walmart, or thou shalt date Susie, not Sally. No, I'm not saying that. What I am saying, though, is that God's word will guide us in our decision making. Here's a note in your outline, because it'll expose our motives. Our motives. And so often the heart of making good decision is figuring out, hey, why do I want this anyway? I mean, why do I want this really? What, what am I, what's driving me here? And when we understand the motives, oftentimes it's very clear what we ought to do and what we shouldn't. The word of God is alive and powerful, Hebrews 4.12. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. James says when we read the Bible, it's like holding, looking in a mirror. And so often this is true as I'm reading the Bible and I'm frustrated with a friend, I'll read a passage and all of a sudden it'll show me something that I hadn't seen about myself. And then I close it and go watch TV. No, I don't. Uh, hopefully I won't. But sometimes I do because I don't want to hear that because it was a lot better when I thought it was all my friend's fault. Now I'm reading the word and showing me, hey, John, you got some motive issues here. I mean, we all understand someone could give a million dollars to charity and we'd go, wow, what a wonderful gift until we find out they only did it so they'd get their name on the outside of the building and that would help them in their in an election campaign four years down the road, and we go, oh, well, that didn't amount to anything. It's very possible to do the right thing for the wrong reason. Of course it is. And the Bible will expose our motives. It cuts right to the heart of the matter. Why won't you forgive that person? Why are you allowing fear to rule your life? Why do you choose to worry rather than pray? And if we're willing to expose ourselves to God's word, he'll expose the motives of our heart. And so God speaks to all of us through his word. It's available all the time if we're willing to listen. Secondly, God speaks to us through prayer. As I mentioned a minute ago, you and I can pray anytime, day or night. God's open 24-7. He is. And he is always more ready to listen than we are to pray. Maybe you've discovered that like I have. I can be reluctant to pray or lazy to pray. God is never angry with me when I ask for direction. James 1.5 says as much. If you need wisdom, then ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. I mean, if you're a parent and your kids come to you and say, hey, I got a big decision, can we talk? Well, of course. I mean, I love my kids. I don't, wanna, I don't resent them for asking for wisdom. In fact, what I resent is when they don't ask me for wisdom. But that's called being a teenager, and that's another topic. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. And then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace 
which guard, will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. If you would just circle the word peace, it's in there twice. People say, well, how do you know God's will from prayer? Well, after I've prayed about something that's been on my mind for a while, here's the most amazing thing that will come a peace. Sometimes it's a peace that even though this is a hard decision, I need to do it, might as well get on with it. It's just settled. It's the right thing to do. It's going to be hard. Do it. And God will go with me. Sometimes it's a peace. It's a joyful peace that God's going to take care of this sometime down the future. It's not happening right now, but I've just got a peace that he's got it under control. It's more wonderful than I can understand. I can't explain it, but I just know it's true. I know that I know that I know. And again, has anybody else experienced this besides me? And if you see some hands going up, talk to those folks. They'll tell you. God will speak to you through a peace. And if you don't have that peace yet, my suggestion is keep praying until you get it. And sometimes as you're praying in order to get the peace, then God will lead you to a scripture passage that you've never noticed before, and that gives you peace. These things work together, and you'll see that. So God speaks to us through the Bible. He speaks to us through prayer. He also speaks to us then through others. We're not alone in this world. He gives us parents. He gives us godly counselors. He gives us good friends who will tell us the truth. Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. That's just wisdom from Proverbs. Get all the advice and instruction you can so that you'll be wise the rest of your life. If you make decisions, big decisions, just with your own input, well, how arrogant is that? I mean, who has that much information at their fingertips? Who has that much knowledge? Who has experienced that much? I love to talk to people who've lived a lot longer than I have and have been at something a lot longer than I've been at it. People who've read more, people who know more. They can save me all kinds of pain and frustration because I can miss the potholes that they fell into. And they'll even tell you, hey, don't go here. Go here. And if I'm willing to listen, man... Life can be so much better. So how would God speak? I'm praying, Lord, for direction. All of a sudden, I have a friend that comes and tells me direction. But there's a note here. Sometimes God speaks to us through a rebuke. Lord, I'm praying for direction. And a friend goes up and goes, that's the stupidest thing you could ever do. Lord, I'm still praying for direction. And get rid of this nasty friend. Well, sometimes it wasn't a nasty friend. Sometimes it was a friend who loves you very much. He's just telling you it's the stupidest thing you could ever do. David said this, let a righteous man strike me. It's a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It's oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Are you and I willing to listen? If we're praying for direction and we're searching God's word for direction and then a friend comes and tells us a warning, somebody who we know isn't out to get us, somebody who loves us and cares for us, shouldn't that cause us to pull up and maybe rethink our position? Now, I'm not telling you that every time a friend tells you a discouraging word, that's the right word. I don't know. But we ought to consider it And I would tell you this, I think we ought to be very careful to always make sure in our circle of friends we have at least one person who's willing to tell us the truth. I mean, if everybody always agrees with every decision you make, mm, you need to broaden your circle of friends a little bit. Because none of us are right all the time. I'm pretty close, but my wife doesn't agree with that. Anyway, so we'll move on. So God speaks to us through the Bible. He speaks to us through prayer. He speaks to us through others. And then God speaks to us through circumstances. These are four ways he speaks to us all the time. He does. He'll speak through circumstances. There was once when the Apostle Paul and 
his uh, missionary uh, companion, Silas, were traveling on a missionary journey to spread the gospel in parts of the world where people had never heard about Jesus. They went from major city to major city through territory that we would call the country of Turkey today. And here's what happened. Paul and Silas traveled to the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. And then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the Spirit of Jesus didn't allow them to go there. The Bible doesn't say how the Spirit spoke to them, what the circumstances were. It could have been that someone came and warned them because they'd received a dream that said, hey, go meet these people. Don't let them go in. It could be that just that their passports wouldn't work and they couldn't get in. It could be the road was closed. We don't know. But every time they tried to go there, they couldn't go there. And so they ended up going exactly where God was leading them. And there are circumstances that will happen in our life, too, where we're convinced, hey, God wants me doing this. And are my friends tell me this is a good idea? I mean, God wanted them going on the missionary journey. Their friends had even sent them off laying hands on them. And they'd prayed about it, but they weren't able to go where they wanted to go. And when that happens, when we say, man, the Bible thinks this is a good idea, it's a good thing in the Scripture, my friends think it's a good idea, I've prayed about it, but sometimes the circumstances will say, well, yeah, that's all right, but not here, there, and not now, later. And God can speak to us through circumstances. Sometimes he closes doors in one direction and opens a door to another direction. And there's a note that's important here. God's timing is not the same as ours. Can I get an amen on that one? Yeah, amen. Here's why. Peter said, you must not forget this one thing, my dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. And something I say, God, I got to know in three weeks. The Lord's going, no, you'll do fine in three years. We're not in a hurry. You're not near as mature as you think you are. And you're not near as bright as you think you are. Keep your shirt on. And sometimes we don't want to hear it. Wait patiently for the Lord. If you flip the outline over, this is Psalm 27, 14. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous, yet wait, yes, wait patiently for the Lord. And there's a note here that reminds you of something that uh, is said in Proverbs, and I found it true in my own life and through decades of pastoral visits with people. Rash decisions are bad decisions. Rash decisions are bad decisions. Can we say that together? Rash decisions are bad decisions. If you're being forced, hey, you got to do this in 24 hours, you got to do this in 10 minutes, or I'm going to sell it to someone else, and I don't have time to pray, I don't have time to get counsel, I don't have time to find peace about this, let it go. If in doubt, bail out. That's John Schmidt's version, okay? Hey, don't, don't make decisions rashly. It is not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Ready, fire, aim is a dangerous principle. And all too often, that's what we do. Ready, fire, aim. Oh, my goodness. Wish I'd have thought about that a little more. God wants us to have peace. And I want to illustrate how all four of these things work together. When you have all four of these things, God's word, peace through prayer, good counsel from friends, and the opportunities and circumstances line up, you can walk forward boldly going, this is God's will. But all too often, we don't seek God's word. We don't seek godly counsel. We don't pray about stuff. We just go by the circumstances. I'll give you a, a for instance, something that happened a few years ago. A guy came to see me, and 
he had scheduled an appointment with me because he'd been dating a girl for a while and she was pressing him to know what the nature of their relationship was. And he said, well, I need to know whether I'm supposed to marry her or not and I need some counsel. I said, well, come on in. And we set up an appointment after work one day and he came to see me, drove to my office and, and sat down and said, hey, we don't need to meet. I know I'm supposed to marry this girl. And I go, oh, okay, well, would you mind telling me how did you arrive at the decision? What, I mean, you know, a week ago, you were just all in a tither over this. What happened? And he said, well, on the way here, I drove through 13 stoplights, and they were all green on the way to see you. And so God's giving me the green light. I need to marry her. <laughs> I'm not making this up. And I said, well, can I offer an alternate explanation? And he said, well, sure. And I said, what if God gave you a green light all the way here to get you here faster before you could make a bad decision? He goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> now, look, if I can talk you out of something that fast, please don't make decisions that way. But see, what if you had the circumstances, you're dating this girl, and you've been dating her for a long time, and you don't know whether you should marry or not, and so you seek counsel from godly friends who know you both. And you spend time in prayer. God, is this the person you have for me? And you look up what the scripture has to say about the commitment of marriage and what it involves. And when all four of those things wind together, you say, yeah, this is the direction I need to go. But when you talk about this, if your friends say, I don't think that this is the right person for you at all, and you find no peace when you pray about this, well, then maybe you need to wait. I mean, you see how this works. But all too often, we get one indicator out of four, bam, we're gone. And then we say, oh, God, help me get out of this mess. And God would much rather us listen on the front end. And so to know God's will, he wants us to spend time with him and listening to him. And that brings us to the next point. If we're not hearing from God and we're not having success in decision-making, we're all confused, it might be because we're just not listening. It might be. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven fifteen: anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Just because you have ears, does it mean you're listening? Of course not. We can all be sitting in a room and only some of us are listening. And we all have ears, but that doesn't mean we're paying attention. We may be too busy, this is point A, we may be too busy to listen or to hear. We may be too distracted. Jesus told a story once of a farmer out sowing seed with a sack of seed around his waist, walking through a field that he had cultivated, just a handful of seeds scattering it all over the place. And some of the seeds, and Jesus said this, the seed was like the word of God, some of it fell on soil where there were a bunch of thorns and weeds. And Jesus said this in Matthew 13, 22, the seed that fell among the thorns represent those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. I mean, most of us don't garden anymore, but we can understand the illustration. You throw the seed out there, if it goes into a patch of soil where there are a lot of weeds and thorns, well, those weeds will grow up and soak up all the water and the nutrients and grow faster than the crop that we intended to grow, and so it shades out the sunlight and there's no fruit produced. Same thing can happen in our lives. We can hear a word from God. Maybe this morning God could speak to you. But because we don't tend the soil and give it time to take root, before we know it, we're back into Monday and Tuesday and a thousand emails and all the worries of this life, and we forget all about what God told us on Sunday. Choked out. And now all of a sudden we can't hear him anymore. It wasn't because God wasn't speaking. It's just because we're not listening. 
We're too busy, too distracted. And there's a note in your outline there about why it's so important, again, to spend time, a little bit of time with God every day because we can't cram a relationship with him. I mean, all of us, when we were kids in school, crammed for a test. You don't start writing on the paper that was due at the beginning of the semester till the day before. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You cram for it. Study all night, drinking five-hour energy drinks because I've got to learn three or four months of chemistry in four hours. We try to cram for it so we can just get this thing and pass the test. And all too often, that's what we try to do with God. I mean, this is the big difference between what Christians understand about a relationship with God and people who don't know God. People who don't know God see God like a ripcord on a parachute. You pull it only in case of emergency. So they go through life, make all their decisions, never seeking God's counsel, never spending time in his word, never praying, never listening to godly friends. Then the whole thing blows up in their face and they pull the ripcord and they go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. They do it all the time. And then when they don't get a clear signal, oh, there's nobody up there. There's nobody listening. He says, God's just a, a ripcord on the parachute. Just pull it in case of emergency. Rest of your life, go through your life. And then blame God when the whole thing goes south, even though you made all the stupid decisions in the world all on your own and wouldn't have listened to anybody no matter who God sent to you. And that's not the way God wants us to live. The same way with the Bible. It's not just prayer. We open up the Bible. It's like we don't read the Bible all year, maybe for 10 years, and then there's a crisis in our life, and then we open it up, and it's like, oh, I can't find anything in here. Well, of course not. But if we spend time with God every day, when a crisis comes, we'll know how to talk to him. We have a relationship with him. And many times the whole crisis can be averted because we would have known he wouldn't have wanted us to go there in the first place. My wife and I have been married over 26 years. There are certain things. If you go to a restaurant and set a menu in front of us, I can go, she's not going to order that, and she would know John's not going to eat that. And so how do you know? You didn't even ask him. We've been married 26 years, I'm pretty sure. You spend time with God every day for 25 years? Hey, is this what God wants? No. That's not what he wanted in the life of Moses. It's not what he wanted in the life of David. It's not what he wanted in the life of Paul or the disciples. No. How do you know? Because I know God. Spend time with him every day for 25 years. I know him. And this is where God wants us to be. Oh, he wants a relationship with you. Do you know he died on the cross to make that relationship possible? Please listen to him today. Don't cram a relationship. Don't wait till there's a crisis and then cry out to him. Spend time with him today and listen to him. You'll be amazed as you read your Bible how often he'll speak to you. You'll be amazed when you pray how often he answers those prayers. Sometimes, though, it's not because we're too busy or distracted. Sometimes, point B, we're just too proud or stubborn to hear. And that's possible. The Levites prayed this prayer in the days of Nehemiah, Nehemiah 9.29. Oh, God, you warned them. They were speaking about their ancestors who had been stubborn and stiff-necked. You warned them to return to your law, but they became proud and obstinate and disobeyed your commands. They did not follow your regulations by which, uh, by which people will find life if only they obey. They stubbornly turned their backs on you and refused to listen. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, gave up his life for his faith. And to the people who were stoning to death, he 
Here was the warning he gave to them just before they killed them. You stubborn people, you're heathen at heart and you're deaf to the truth. And if you'd circle the words deaf to the truth, must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did and so do you. I mean, you can have ears to hear and be deaf to the truth. God sent you a good friend who loves you and he warned you and you wouldn't listen to that. You just won't talk to the friend anymore. You were driving down the road and there was a guy on the radio preaching a sermon and he said exactly what you needed to hear and you turned it off. Every time you pray about it, your conscience feels guilty and yet you won't turn. My friends, if you are here this morning and those things have happened to you recently, then God is giving you a warning right now today. Do not be stubborn. Do not be stiff-necked. My parents are fools. The Bible's wrong. I don't have to live by God's standards. I can go my own way. If this is the attitude in our hearts, then great pain is just around the corner. And God is speaking to you. He is probably shouting at you. Well, I guess since I shouted, he would literally be shouting at you probably right now. He'd be shouting at you, take care. I'm warning you. Listen to me. Because that's God's desire. So God's speaking to us all the time. We may not be listening because we might be too stubborn or we might be too busy or preoccupied. And so that brings us to point three. And here's the crux of the matter. You and I need to ask ourselves, well, do I really want God's will more than my own? I mean, this is that motive thing again. I mean, why do I want this, really? Do I really want to know God's will? Did Jesus live that way? Sure. The night before he was crucified, he knew he would be crucified. He knew the pain that would be involved. He knew his disciples would run away from him and leave him all alone. He knew the sins of the world would be thrust upon him, and he would be separated from his father because of that sin. He knew it. And he knew he would die. And so in anguish, this is what Jesus prayed. My father, if it's possible, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. I mean, can we pray that way? Can we pray that way about a decision? Lord, in this business decision, I want your will to be done, not mine. Lord, in this relationship decision, I want your will to be done, not mine. God, I'm afraid of this. And I'm scared of the outcome, and I feel like you want me to take a courageous step. And so, Lord, you're going to have to give me courage because I want your will to be done, not mine. And can we pray that way? Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he'll show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Lord, I want your wisdom more than my wisdom. I'll trust your direction more than my own gut. Just show me what to do. I'll guide you. This is Psalm 32. I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. I'll advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Mercy. Why would I want God to look at me like a senseless mule? Well, there's John, got to pull his head around to make him do the right thing. God wants kids. He wants us to act like his children. 
not a team of horses. Take delight in the Lord, and he'll give you your heart's desires. Because God knows what your heart's desires are better than you do, better than I do. He knows the desires of our heart. And if we delight in him and spend time with him, if we commit everything we do to the Lord and trust him, then he will help us. This is the Lord's desire. It's all about relationships. He wants a relationship with you and me. Not a ripcord. Not a quick fix. And he promises, he says, look, if you come to me and build that relationship with me and you learn to trust me and know my voice, I'll guide you. And you can talk to so many saints who've known the Lord for years and they will tell you it's all true. But we have to give up our own selfish, stubborn ways. We have to be willing to listen. Now, one other thing I want to say real quickly about decision-making is this, is that decisions are a lot less scary when we remember how God has guided us in the past. I mean, we live in a terribly impatient age. And it's always about, hey, what have you done for me lately? I mean, we stand in front of the microwave, and if it takes longer than 20 seconds, let's get a new microwave. This thing's broken. (laughs) In the same way with prayer, we pray about something. God might have led us straight to our job. He might have given us a raise. He might have guided us in our education, brought us to the right person to marry, all these things. And then we have a problem later on in our life with one of our kids or something else, and we just go, oh, the sky is falling. I don't know if God's going to answer my prayers. Wait a minute. Didn't he answer the prayer 10 years ago, 7 years ago, 5 years ago, 4 years ago, 3, 2, 1? Oh, yeah, he answered all that. Well, doesn't the Bible say he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? Isn't he a loving, good God? Well, then why are you afraid? Well, because I, well, I didn't trust him this time. The Old Testament prophet Samuel in Israel took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshanah because they had seen the Lord do mighty miracles. And Samuel named the stone Ebenezer, which means the stone of help, for he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. A number of years ago, my wife and I were able to spend some time in the Holy Land in Israel. And what's interesting is you can go through the countryside and you'll see a wheat field or a grain field of some kind. In the middle of the field, there'll be a big rock standing up. And the tour guide will go, that's an Ebenezer. And he doesn't mean Scrooge. It has nothing to do with Christmas, okay? It's a big rock standing up. And you go, well, why would they put a rock in the middle of the field? He goes, oh, well, that's where God answered a prayer. And they didn't want to forget. I mean, some of us, when we're facing a big decision, probably the best thing we could do is set aside some time and recount how God answered our prayers when our kids were born or when we were facing that illness and God guided us through it or the time we prayed for counsel and a friend came totally out of the blue, somebody we hadn't talked to in 10 years, called us up and said, hey, are you struggling with something? And we were convinced God answered the prayer. And maybe we need to remind ourselves that God's still in the business of loving us and not forget it. God wants you and me to know his will. And through a relationship with him, we can. But that relationship is going to take time. And it's going to take surrender. And it's going to mean we need to listen. 
And so I'd like to pray for those things right now. Heavenly Father, I am convinced that you are always more ready to listen than we are to pray. I am convinced that you want what's best for us more than we want what's best for us. But God, at times we are so stubborn, we're just like horses or mules. And we're going to go our own way unless you just yank us around. And Lord, it breaks your heart because you want children. I pray, Lord, that we will not fight you. I pray, Lord, that we will free up time to listen to you. And I pray, Lord, that we'd remember that sometimes you send parents or friends or others into our lives to speak truth to us when nobody else will. Oh, Lord, help us discover your will and not fight against you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.